What's up, everyone? Welcome to Pan Geekery Podcast, a live weekly video podcast celebrating all things geek from an all diverse perspective. And we are going to talk about film, TV, video games, and all the cool stuff, covering all the nooks and crannies. Damn Fandom. Cranities. 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 I don't know why. I'm just going to trademark. Cranities. Cranities. <laughs> We're going to Cranities, nose diving upward. <laughs> uh, Buttloads. Um, dragon glass. Star Wars. Dragon glass dildo. <laughs> yeah. Inside jokes on. from all our yeah. previous episodes. So you have to watch them. You can to watch uh, my name is Earl. I'm an actor, improviser, and uh, the first concert I ever saw was uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of their shells. Oh. Oh, What's yeah. Up? What's up? Yeah. Yeah, y'all, y'all are happy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hi, I'm Jennifer Zhang, <laughs> and I'm an actor, uh, model, dancer. Uh, wow, I said different things from before. <laughs> a dancer, <laughs> a model. Well, this is news. And, um, artist. Artist, gamer, oh. poet. <laughs> All right, I'll stop. But um, yeah, the first concert I ever went to was at UC Riverside where RX Bandits was, and there was a mosh pit there. Did you, Did you mosh? mosh? <laughs> we tried. <laughs> uh, hi, guys. My name is Caitlin Fay. I am a, get ready for it, a director, uh, an actor, a singer, a writer, a pianist, a flautist, a violinist, a an amateur photographer, a wannabe drawer. All right, your time is on. (laughs) Okay, um, my first concert, my best friend in high school took me to see the Grammys when I was 16 at the Staples Center. Wow, sorry. I might have made eye contact with Pharrell. Whoa. Wow. I do that every night. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) Don't we all? Um, Hey, guys, I'm Walter. I am a veteran filmmaker, and uh, my first concert was... Man, I don't. I can't. That's cool. I want to say Lincoln Park. Whoa! Oh, all right. Wow! All right. Yeah. For which album? I've um, become like, so numb. Yeah, it was a Smoking Grooves tour, like oh, okay. concert, and it was Lincoln Park. Everybody's is far cooler than mine. It's okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> all good. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, it might be Muppets. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say it's Muppets. Uh, before oh, we go on, man. I'd like to give a shout out to our location sponsors, PWC, Filipino Workers Center. Um, thank you again for uh, having us. And to um, Hi-Fi Kitchen yeah, yeah. for their delicious laing. Amazing. All that. So hit that, hit that up. <clears throat> Hi-FiKitchen.com. Is that correct? Hi-fi yes. Hi-Fi-Kitchen.com. I'm messing that up. And Hi-Fi is spelled H-I-F-I. Yep. H-I-F-I. Thank you, Jen. Um, so, everybody in the chat, thank you for joining us. Uh, we will be checking chat uh, over the course of the episode. So, do please hit us up, ask us questions, leave comments, comments, and we will try to get them by the end of a quement. <laughs> what the hell is a quement? You n- y'all never... Uh, is that a subtropical fruit? <laughs> yes. It's, a, it's, it's delicious. It's related totally to try it. loquat. And, um, <laughs> and quement. Yeah. Uh, it's... Um, but yeah, hit us up and we'll try to get to you as soon as we can. Uh, so what have y'all been up to these past weeks? We've been gone for a week, in a, yeah. two weeks actually. So what has everybody been up to? Um, Jen and I went to Houston for Happy Fest 2019. Nice. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> experiences were had, Whoa. memories were made. Okay, <laughs> thank you. I was like, be decisive, Caitlin, about what you reveal to the public. I know, trust but me. But y'all anyway. were there to uh, for a screening of... Uh, 
following Jamie, the cool. short film that we made last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Awesome. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 let's just let's just scratch the whole topic. I want to hear what happened. Like, I know. Well, not I, uh, you, well, you weren't there at the reading, so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, Someone here is not a good friend oh. because the, uh, the oh. night we came back from Houston, Jen had a reading at the Japanese American Museum for a new play by Leah Nanaka Winkler, and somebody was absentio. <laughs> I know Arnold. I can't believe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I heard good things about it. Um Thank you guys for coming. All the people who yeah. mattered came. So. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> stab it. Stab it. Sorry I couldn't make it. In the chest. <laughs> yeah, I just work kept me from going there and I will say that it was I, I kinda wish I did go because I was getting stressed out from work that uh, I and martial arts like saved my life, like and saves other people's lives for me. So I had to go and choke people out and, oh, <laughs> and no. fight. You'd rather it choke a helpless day. person than support. Oh, they're not Jen's. helpless. They're trying to choke me out. <laughs> it's oh. a mutual. They're choking. trying to break my arm, also. So. What if you like choking? Oh, never hey. mind. The, we're getting the yellow card. <laughs> okay, that's a whole that's different topic. <laughs> so, how, what you been up to, uh, Walter? Um, well, I went to, and also I went to go check out the the raw mix, Ramel's screening uh, oh, at. Yeah. Um, at a uh, local brewery, Brewyard Brewery, and uh, saw Arnold and some bunch of like Philam creative folks there. Little reunion. Nice. Um, yeah. And then I think the weekend, yeah, just been working a lot. And then I think we saw each other, which we'll cover later. Yes. <laughs> Stay tuned. No. Earl, what did you do? What did I do? Uh, so this past couple weeks have been the uh, Fringe Festival, mm-hmm. the oh, Hollywood yeah. Fringe, Fes- Fringe Festival, um, yeah, which is basically like a whole Sorry. bunch of. Um, uh, theater shows being put on in several venues around Hollywood. There have been f- there are 400 different shows that have been going on over the past two weeks, and I was in one. And I always talk about this support of white parents. We were we did a run at the Fringe, and um, it was freaking excellent. We um, raise your hand if you saw support of white parents. Yeah, I know everybody has seen it. Thank Asian you so much for coming out. I know, but I mean, we were nominated for best musical. Um, we did not win, unfortunately, but uh, oh. we were also Got robbed. No, not. But we we're also uh, um, granted. Uh, we won best of uh, the Broadwater, which is the um, the theater that we are at. Yeah, um, awesome. Uh, what's the other one? We got an encore award, which means we're going to continue the run for another two it shows. It's amazing. Keeps going. Yeah. It's amazing. So, Did yeah. you win best? Uh, non-supportive dad. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert! I know. Wow. No, no, I didn't. No. But we should make that a, an award. Because that race would be the only person in that category winning <laughs> that award. We'll make T-shirts. Best yeah. non-supportive dad. Yeah. How many fights will that start? Um, oh, no. Anyway, no, I am. No, I, I am. am. <laughs> Who can hit the softest? Um, oh. <laughs> what the heck? Oh I'll tell you about God. this game later. And then oh, Earl's like, do. I lose. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so we got a lot to talk about we this uh, show. We do. Um, we're going to talk about Toy Story Four, which yeah. everybody here besides me got to see. So I'm going to be stepping out of the room for that one. Uh, we're going to talk about representation in arts and media and uh, the geek verse because somebody had posted a qu- uh, posed a question to us um, on one of our social networks, or no, Jen's friend actually mm-hmm. hit her up, and uh, the question is going to be whether or not representation still matters as much as it did back in the day. Well, there's there's going to be specifics to that question, right. so we'll see. Jen's gonna she's gonna handle that. 
And then uh, we're going to go through some news around the Geek Universe. And finally, it's going to be trivia time at the end. I got some questions for y'all. So, oh my gosh, and we're already here. Uh, so, Toy Story 4, the fourth installment in the storied Toy Story franchise. Wow. It's a lot of stories. Should, should so, we hide you, Earl? GTA. So, I am going to step out of the room, y'all. Take there care. You go. Play yeah, play something. some music while oh, there we he talk. Goes. So he's not he's really stepping the out of the room. Well, I can't. I'm actually I'm going to use the bathroom. Oh, okay. Oh, amazing. Let's, let's have a camera follow him. <laughs> you have a GoPro? Camera all right, I'll three. see y'all in go. about 15 minutes. <laughs> all right, bye, bye Earl. Later. Bye, Earl. Have a good poop. Adios. Or whatever else it is you do there. Hey, guys. Um, <clears throat> so for the first time in Pan Geekery's history, someone besides Earl is now driving this Movo show. So, um, <clears throat> and it's a woman. And it's a, <gasps> we're so, it's a woman. We're so progressive. I know, right? <laughs> so Toy Story 4, on Sunday, the three of us and our stage manager, Arnold, went to the uh, uh, Walt Disney studios in Burbank because Jen here is a Cal Arts alumnus. Woo-hoo. She went there for grad school and um, it just so happens that Cal Arts was started by none other than Walt Disney himself. Mm-hmm. So as an alumnus, she got free tickets, hooked it up. It was a great day. Now, before we get into our thesis topics, <laughs> why don't we go around and talk a little bit about what your expectations going into this film were, just really briefly. I actually, I had no expectations. I mean, I saw some of those uh, online rumors and some people like talking about what uh, the fork represented, all this stuff. The fork? The, yeah, yeah. Or forky. Right? But he was calling himself forky. Oh, but, true. Yeah. yeah. So like what he represented, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, but I had no expectations because I was like, you know, I, I thought Toy Story 3 was the last yeah. of it. And then, hey, mm-hmm. there's four. So I was like, what could they possibly talk about? So... Jen? So I had very low expectations. When I watched the trailer, I saw Sporky and I was like, what in the ever bleeping <laughs> living bleep is this thing? Like, what what could you possibly say like in one of the greatest Pixar franchises of all time yeah. about a spork, about a lunch like well, throwaway don't be item? Sporkist, Jen. Well, Just because I mean, it's a spork. I think I got to be chosen. discriminatory. I mean, no, I mean, I think it was chosen for a very specific reason. And like, I was surprised on every level and impressed on every level um, that they actually utilized it in a very self-aware, mm. humorous mm. and effective way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. this spork. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Right. Who'd have thunk? Who'd have thunk indeed. And that leads us to our first question, which is. Do you think that Toy Story 4 lives up to the legacy that the Toy Story franchise has created for itself over the years? Um, I'll, I'll <clears> answer <throat> that in lieu of what I was saying about Sporky. Okay. Forky. Well, and just to give us all a note here, Toy Story began in, I want to say, 1996. Mm-hmm. So that was a good 23 years ago. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. A lot of us grew up watching it. Right, <clears throat> right, right, right. Um, yeah, so I feel like it does live up because... It, and it's also aged, <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. like this rendition of Toy Story feels as though it's commenting on the themes behind Toy Story. Mm, more like self-aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More so than like telling a story in and of itself, which it is, mm-hmm. you know, but it's actually telling something larger, which is like, why are toys important to us in like the culture of storytelling? Mm-hmm. Like what 
what roles do toys function as, you know? Like, how do we imbue them with characters that we suddenly relate to, you mm -hmm. know, that are mm -hmm. inanimate objects, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, I, I think, like, it really gets to the heart of why we even loved the Toy Story franchise in the first place. Mm -hmm. And, like, one scene that, in particular, that dwindles down all these things I feel like it represents mm -hmm. is when Woody is trying to explain to Forky why why Forky needs to be a toy for Bonnie. Agreed. Right? Yes. And that was a lovely scene. They didn't have to put that in there, but they put that in there for, like, the thematic purpose of showing, like... Snape kills Dumbledore. <laughs> wow. Earl just Earl came, just came, came back into the room to tell us that. Wow, that Go was away. a brilliant finishing of my sentence, Earl. <laughs> <laughs> How did he know? Oh, How he did can he still know? hear you, yeah. too. <laughs> Go away. And then they all die in the end. Okay, sorry. <laughs> And I, and, and I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> Thanks, Earl. Anyway, but I love that Woody gets actually... Oh, no, you were talking about the scene between uh, Forky and, uh, and, Woody and Woody. He said it didn't have to be in there. But it, it really didn't have to be in there, yeah. but like Woody is like the heart of Toy Story, of the entire mm -hmm. Toy Story franchise. Yeah. And he gets like a really meta moment where yeah. he has to explain to Forky, like, look, I, I know you weren't made to be a toy, and I know, like, your natural inclination is to not be one, mm -hmm. but, like, for the sake of my kid, you have to be one. Mm. You have to recognize your importance in mm. this moment, mm. you know, which is very heroic of him. Yeah. Woody is, like, yeah. a quintessential, like, hero yeah. mm -hmm. in the, yeah. you know, in the Homerian sense. Homeric. Homeric sense. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. I was like, what is the adjective Homerian. for Homer? Homerian. Um, yeah, and I think... <laughs> I know. Yeah, the Simpsons. 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 Yeah, Homerian. Yeah, um, anyway. yeah, and I think... Although I think it was necessary because it, it leads into Forky, like, I think it was necessary. It, it was yeah. necessary because yeah. it led to Forky saying, like, hey, this is more about you, not about me. Mm. But uh, it also helps Forky reclaim or, like, understand who understand, he is. Yeah, yeah. You know? and, mm. But and then, to be fair and spoiler alert, I guess I don't know. But mini it, spoiler, mini Maybe. spoiler. Yeah. Like, and the communication is Sporky is like just making an, an an analogy, creating an analogy that he could understand how the value, his value mm. to, to his child, to the to Bonnie, because of the trash thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So what is the trash thing, right? Because Sporky is a spork created to be disposable. He, as soon as he becomes alive, because oh, Bonnie abused him. Oh, that's why. I was like, why does he? They explained that. Yeah. Hold uh, on. Let's let's backtrack and talk to, about this so our audience understands what was being said just yeah, now. Yeah. So uh, you know what? Okay. When uh, when Forky is first introduced, I, I think this is where I kind of zoned out because I was really sleepy. I hadn't really slept much the night before. A, a kid like throws some like utensils in the trash. No, and, and then, he didn't throw. The, the kid stole Bonnie's art supplies. And oh yeah, then and then threw them was, in the trash, right? Uh, no, he was just picking stuff off of it. Okay. And Woody was Woody, hiding in the trash can, and he throws yeah, the stuff he, from the trash. He was oh. whatever, whatever okay. was there already so because the, he lost the, the supplies. The spork was already in the trash yeah. can. Gotcha. But I mean, I don't think that has to do with why Sporky loves the Forky loves the trash though, well, because Forky explains like I was made for chili, sometimes soup, and then I was meant to be thrown that's away. What I mean. well, no, not yeah, just that, because, but yeah. he did say because he was born from trash. That's where he was. He came from. Like, I think what Jen's saying is like but the ma the manufacturer's purpose purpose for to Forky be is to be disposed. Yeah. And and if you want to get real meta, you could mm -hmm. argue that all these somewhat like so-called inanimate objects mm -hmm. 
they are just trying to live out the oh. maker's purpose, right. which is why the toys are there for the children. Right. Yeah. Well, no, I get you. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I agree with Sporky too when he said like... Forky. Or, I want to no, say sorry, Sporky also. Yeah, yeah Forky. I know. Forky. It's hard to... Yeah. Uh, I agree with Forky when he told Woody. He's like, oh yeah, you're trash too. Like, Mm-hmm. Because mm. I, because I, I went to school doing I part one of my majors or I have a minor in design and that like the first day is design school mm-hmm. they're like hey congratulations you're here to make trash that's what my professor told me uh-huh. mm. because in, if you think about it, everything becomes disposable like right. your computer your high value your toys if mm. you don't put any value into it. Become trash. The the things the material things we have only has value because we choose to put value into oh, it. Snap. Oh, that, that's I think that's real really, meta. Really <laughs> I think that's really great. I yeah. mean, like, and it also is like a a, call, a point of reckoning for Woody. Right. right when when right. Forky says that, it's like, oh, I I actually resonate with that because I feel expired and useless mm-hmm. now that mm-hmm. I am Bonnie's and not yes, Andy's. He's also trash. Bonnie doesn't like Woody as much as like Jesse. Jesse yeah, or her other toys, you know, right, right. she's not Andy. Right. So he doesn't feel like he's living out the extent of his purpose, which mm-hmm. is why mm-hmm. spoilers, you know, he doesn't end up like being uh, a toy that belongs to any child anymore. He decides right. to become a quote unquote lost toy mm-hmm. because he, he does recognize that he's lived out his life as that. And yet through Bo Peep, he like takes on this new persona or like new values in life. Like I have meaning yeah. Even if it's I don't so have, deep. A, that, know, that's I have a, a child to care for. Right. And and that leads me to my next question, which is um, to what extent do you think toys um, are integral to the psychological development of children or human beings? Because mm-hmm. in this world that Pixar has created for us, the toys see their function as like extremely integral mm-hmm. to a child's development. And that makes that's kind of why I was crying throughout the film mm-hmm. because it was in that moment where I realized the toys are a metaphor for parents. At least that's how I saw it. Mm. Someone else might see it a different way. I feel like the toys are ever self-sacrificing because they mm. always want what's best and what will make the kid happy. And eventually the kid outgrows the toy slash parent mm. and moves on. I feel like some some roles that toys take on could be associated with parenting. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I think like they're also like somewhat different. In Maybe other not ways. in real life, but in this narrative, oh, yeah. like it's yeah. the stand in for like, um, I, I was trying to think of an equivalent. Not, not clear. Like not 100% for me yeah. though. I think because like the toys also feel like their only purpose in their existence mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. to serve the child, to serve, serve the, the child. child and then when that's over, they have like, right. Nothing left. But I know? guess for me, it's like, then why does it make us feel this way? Like mm. in our evolutionary roots or something like that, there must mm. be some life equivalent. No, I, you see mm. what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think it makes you feel this way because yeah. for most people who played with toys, mm-hmm. we want to believe that those toys, that's the purpose of our toys when we oh, played with it. Happy. That they reciprocated they make, that, our love that, for yeah, them. Yeah, our love for gotcha. them. That the fact that we played with them, gotcha. that mm-hmm. it's it's... Uh, back and or it's equal, mm. you know, like do, they feel the same way. Like, what do you guys yeah. think about toys then? Like, oh, do you, I, do you think they made you who you are today? Absolutely. I mean, I was an only child, but uh, hold on. Before I talk <laughs> about my toys, yeah. I think like the movie poses like two, well, a, f- a couple of very important scenarios that show <clears throat> what exactly are the toys' functions in children's lives, and they're mm-hmm. always at like points of crises, mm-hmm. like um, the girl towards the end, the lost girl. Yes. 
who is crying and then finds Gabby Gabby and finally they like find each other. So a toy is a source of comfort. Yeah, it gives or her the like, strength to reach out to yeah, the adult. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, um, what is it? Another example is, uh, of course, Bonnie goes to kindergarten. That's the whole crux of the, the start of the series, yeah. the start of the she conflict. Needs Forky. She needs Forky only because he's the only little thing that she made for herself to comfort herself mm. during a day when she was nervous about everything, mm. you know? And that's why she's like, imbued the spork yeah. with such significance yeah. is because it's the only thing that brought her comfort on yeah. a very nerve wracking day. Right. Right. You know, right. So, so you would have to yeah. agree. Yes. Yeah. Did you yeah. have toys growing up? No, I had no, really? I only, I mean, had remember he was a, born I during the great depression. And a stitch. Walter. My parents used to say like, you know, we didn't have toys growing up. We had little rubber bands. When, when, that we yeah, when I, when dirt. I got oh, a, a wheel, I was yeah. so happy and we would just push the wheel down the road with a stick. Um, so sorry, no, like I did have toys, but I feel like it depends on what those toys are attached to. Like, uh, like when I say attached to, as in like what other pro uh, properties, like you had the Ninja Turtle action figures and like you mm -hmm. watched, that meant you watched the Ninja Turtle show, mm -hmm. Transformers, you watched the Transformers cartoon, yeah, He-Man, uh, G.I. Joe, mm. you know, for us, for, for guys, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I guess there's Rainbow Bright for women and Strawberry Shortcake, like or my Barbie. sister or Barbie. Or well, Barbie. Uh, Barbie didn't really have a cartoon growing up. No. Uh, but my sister, yet, I know yeah. they, they had Strawberry Shortcake or um, Strawberry Shortcake. Pokemon. Patch. Oh, wait. Oh, Pokemon. Sailor so, Moon. Yeah. yeah. Well, did Sailor Moon mm. have action figures? Yeah. But, okay. but they were more like offshoot sold. of the show. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But like, so for me, like, for example, like I was big into like G.I. Joe's. Like I love G.I. Joe's. And that's why you joined the army. Yeah. That, I mean, there, there might be something into that. We can go. That's a, something. Oh, so it is. I'll have really to talk with my therapist. <laughs> I, that I was your Woody. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> that, that was your Woody. Okay. I'll stop. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I'm saying like, but I think people do have time. They take kids, mm -hmm. use toys to comfort them or play, like yeah. keep them company. Like what kids Especially have. Especially if you're an only child. If right? you're an only child yeah. or, yeah. And I mean, I had a sister. I, I didn't really play. She was older than me. So I didn't really, I couldn't really play with her or play. I didn't like to play with what they did. So I was like, oh, my, I have my G.I. Joe's and gotcha. all my other action figures. Right. 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 So. But for kids, I know if I can't speak for everyone, but for myself, it's like you get to tell your story. Like when you have your action figures, it's almost like your own filmmaker. You're a director right there. Cause oh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to interject kiss. now because I have a lot to say oh. about my toys. Oh, no, so <laughs> <I'm> continue. <sorry. laughs> I, was, I was waiting a long time because I didn't want to talk over you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I was care. an only child and I had also like mild OCD as a child. And I was severely like... Very, very isolated, but also very imaginative. I had like 10 different kinds of stuffed animals that were not like from any canon, but mm -hmm. I imbued them each with a name, personality, song, accent, and uh, persona. That's awesome. And theme that they would match. That makes so much sense. And I would have to arrange them in certain like angles so that they would shine on me at night so that I would receive those qualities. Whoa! Like, Whoa! 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 My brain is fucking blown. Wow. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So comment when, below if you guys have done that what too. What the heck? 
<laughs> so shine on me. I, I even I even remember I remember like some of the theme songs of each. And like some of them like represented like love, love for my parents, love for myself. And there was also peace. And there was also like friendship, like health and friendships and things wow. like that. It was like my own like little astrology thing. How old were you? I mean, I don't know. It was like 15. all throughout my childhood. I had this really, <laughs> really intense. <laughs> I was at this really in lo intense love of objects. Like when my parents moved their dining room table away, I like broke down and I was like sobbing for like two whole days. Wow. And they were like, what's wrong with you? But like what I couldn't <laughs> articulate was that the part of myself that I had always associated with that table or as I remembered myself was going to be completely gone. Yeah. I was never going to be myself as I knew it with that table in that wow. room. Wow. But I just couldn't say it anymore. I just felt like some part of me was lost. It's very Shintoism of you. That yeah. is some Marie Kondo shit. <laughs> wow. And that's why Marie Kondo says, get rid of your shit. Whoa. I mean. Just say thank you and move on. But so yeah, like so Toy Story really, really resonates with me because right. it's like I really believed my animals were alive and that wow. how well I treated them were, you know, going to dictate how well they treated me. Yeah. Or like brought those qualities to my life. That mm. is amazing. I mean, I, I wish we had more time to talk about like, and because now the, we still have one more question. <laughs> yeah, well, because now now kids have like iPads. Yeah. Oh yeah, they don't really play with toys. I don't think. I don't know. I Whatever. think they do. They still have toys. I mean, Toys R Us went bankrupt, right? Yeah. Mm. So maybe they don't play with toys. They just like to watch that kid play on it on YouTube. Oh God, let's not get into that. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, Toy Story, for letting us relive our physical toy childhoods. Um, <laughs> last question for this topic would be, do you think Toy Story 4 uh, includes uh, an appropriate amount of diverse representation? Um, what say you? Um, as far as racial representation goes, you can't really tell. I mean, I, I think feel like it still is a mostly white cast. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think the, they tried um, to the two black actors were like oh Jordan Peele, Jordan, yeah, Key, Key and that Peele. That was so funny. Was that, that only, was? They were so good. I think they're the only people of color who have voice actors. It was I'm Jordan thinking. Peele, and who's the other one? Oh, there you go. She oh, there she is. Yeah. Oh, who is she? Ali Mack. Ali Mac. Is she from Guardians? No, Wh no. Where is she? She's no. not Clem. Where is she from? Oh, oh, she, so she's from nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, she she looks like she's from something. She looks familiar. Oh no, yeah, she's from oh, Teen okay. Wolf. She's from Teen. Werewolf. She's from something. Y'all, we're just making up her credits. Well, yeah. anyway, so there's an Asian chick. We're so <laughs> embarrassing. Sorry, but the rest, I think, of the cast they kept from the original cast, right, which is right. understandably Tom Hanks, Tim White, mm -hmm. and Bonnie. I think is a mixed child, mixed race child. Right. I was looking for some black and Asian kids, but I didn't see any. I think they were going for more the of the racially ambiguous oh. roots, like of the human yeah. beings. Like right? Bonnie is mixed, and the lost yeah. girl at the end is also she's like something. Mixed. Yeah, she's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I seriously think that Bonnie's dad he is looked, like he looked Indian. <laughs> yeah, some people thought he looked Indian. He, he just looked, looked Indian to me. He just looked like mystery meat to me. So I thought, oh my <laughs> god, is that what we are to you, Caitlin? It's mystery meat. Um, um, what what I w did love. Wow, cannot speak. What I did love was that Bo has like a huge, like pivotal role in this film. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. I yes. mean, like she's 
kind of a badass. I mean, she spent like years on her own. Mm -hmm. And so she's kind of like washed her hands of like being anybody's toy. She's like, at this point, like I'm living my own life. I run this gamut. She's like a mafia queen. Yeah. (laughs) She teaches Woody who he needs to become. Right. And she teaches him to let go. Right. right. I don't know about her being a mafia queen. Uh, I see her more like like a Miss Marvel archetype. Yeah. Well, like, I, I don't remember what she was like in the first movie, but she didn't she have exactly. more of that? She did, exactly. <laughs> they wanted to give her more of a personality. She was, yeah, she was, just, that. she was just a like little Bo Peep. Literally yes. mm-hmm. the old-fashioned, like, I'm a shepherd. Old school, I'm a shepherdess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now they've given her character. Now she can take off her skirt and she has pants underneath. That's sexy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so hot. all in all, I, my thoughts on Toy Story 4... I thought going in that it was going to be a piece of shite. I thought, you know, these guys just want money. How can they possibly continue this story after that amazing full circle ending at the end of Toy Story 3? And, oh, Earl's back. And then they all died. And it was awful. We'll tell you. I was just talking about how everyone dies in Toy Story. And and Woody dies. Yeah. And... We're finishing our final thoughts. I don't know if you want to hear this. Are are you for reals? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I got called in. Sorry. Um, And, oh, well, I was just going to say, okay. (laughs) He's listening to his music. Okay, good. Well, I was just going to say that I thought this might have been the best one yet. You know? Really? I I think so. Quite a clean. Because it was Mm. so meta. Like they like every mm. scene contributed to these toys trying to understand the core of who they really are in an almost existential way. Even down to to Buzz Lightyear, like listening to the voices, mm-hmm. he's like, "So do we have a conscience? Who are we?" Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Yo, that's freaking deep." And the fact that Woody loses his voice box, yeah, to Gabby, he exactly. gives it away. I was like, oh, spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we've been spoiling it this whole time. Yeah, but so, not just yeah. that, but also they still bring the narrative full circle mm-hmm. without making it clunky. That's really good storytelling. I didn't think they'd be able to do that, but they did. So uh, I'm guys, glad Pixar lived up to your expectations, I'm Caitlin. I'm glad it did too. <laughs> and I'm just kind of curious. <laughs> in a way, it's kind of like saying goodbye to mm-hmm. that franchise or to that that group of friends you mm-hmm, think yeah, and yeah. do you think they'll continue it with something else or you mean another toy story some version movie? of toy story I hope without <laughs> without buzz Lightyear or no, like no. woody or you, woody you signed this, off this after this, this one this oh no this i know but i'm else. saying like another group of toys mm. if they want money no buzz Lightyear, no woody it's just some, i don't know yeah they that. might <laughs> they might but it'll be like an offshoot little mm. bo peep prequel yeah. <laughs> like, what was she doing for seven years? Yeah, that was uh that's the end of that, guys. <laughs> Earl, you can come back now. Oh, hey. Look at that guy. All right. So that's right, oh, Keanu Reeves. We I'm forgot back. there's a a part Asian person in that cast. That's right. I oh, know. It's uh, mm-hmm. What plays- was the name of his character? Duke Kaboom. Duke, Duke The best writer Kaboom. from he Canada. I will yes. say his voice acting on that was good. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Duke Nukem. Yeah. Anyways, all right. So, um, so, so on you're, to our you're, next you're driving this bus now. <laughs> okay, I hand it off to you. So we're back. Uh, how did how'd the conversation go? It was terrible. Very earless. 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 Sounds exciting. Oh man. Uh, so, <laughs> um, well, you know, hopefully, um, I I have no opinions about Toy Story Four because I haven't seen it yet. But 
maybe I will next week and I'll debrief everybody. <laughs> Nobody's going to care by that. <laughs> um, All right. So next up, we are going to talk about a question that my friend posed to yes. me, which was very interesting that I felt was worth talking about, especially in our podcast in particular, since we do tout ourselves as talking about all things geek from an all diverse perspective, right? All of us on this panel are Asian American Pacific Islander. And um, generally we talk about our geekdom, you know, from the lens that we know how, you know? So my friend's question to me was, do you feel that movies and television today are still an effective, uh, medium to show equality across different races, cultures, gender, etc. Or has it sort of become less of an effective tool now than it has been in earlier years? I have to disagree. Mm -hmm. I don't even think we're there yet. Mm -hmm. I think we're just barely scratching the surface right. of where we need to be until, you know, Hollywood and uh, film and television ref accurately reflect the non-white to white ratio of persons within the American population. We're not there yet, in my opinion. I agree. I think that um, uh, even though there's like right now, there's the kind of this swelling of um, diversity, of inclusion, uh, of representation. It's like. I, I, if you really want to think about it, like what it's, it's, it's only been like three or four years since like the wave has kind of started Yep. and yeah. like what kind like of change, tops. right? Yeah. Five mm -hmm. tops. Mm -hmm. What yeah. kind of change, like actual real, like non like trendy change can take place within mm -hmm. five years, mm -hmm. especially with a machine like uh, Hollywood that has existed for like a um, hundred years. Yeah, mm -hmm. years now. Yeah. I, I don't think it's absolutely, I don't think it's possible. And I, I think that, um, the thing about, um, you know, when, when we create uh, media, a lot of it is aspirational. You know, it's, it's what, where we want to be. It's like we tell the stories of the ideal. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that is not reflected um, in how they cast it yet. Mm -hmm. So until those two meet, I think that mm -hmm. it's definitely, you know, it's going to be an issue. And it's something that um, is whenever you see somebody that a person of color or um, of a different uh, ability or uh, gender or anything that's uh, that's re represented accurately, accurately and with respect on a piece of medium, it's going to matter. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't think that the work can be finished mm -hmm. at all. You know, right. I think right. it would be a flaw in our thinking to assume that we just need to attain a certain quota yeah. of diversity in order to pass <laughs> ourselves off as like for, forever like morally flawless and untouchable. You're right, because even if we you know? fulfill that diversity quota, what, you know, what kind of people are we showing on television? Are they, right. are they kind of just trophy and stereotypical or are they pushing boundaries? Are they reflecting actual characteristics of real life human people rather than ching chong ching, I speak English, do math right. for you. Mickey Rooney. So, yeah. so I know. It, was your friend asking because they're thinking that it's It's good? not as important or yeah, I, I kind of wonder what the um, what was the motivation behind, behind there that? There was not more elaborated after that. And I think their question kind of veered on do you think television and movies are like the most effective way to do that? Or do you think oh, like that's kind of... Because he's thinking like okay. the internet, because there's the internet that yeah. we should focus on online mm. media, whatever like that. I mean, it's however you, we want to um, interpret it. You yeah, know? in my opinion, I, I think for some people, um, they might think like because, oh, I see Crazy Rich Asian or there's a sprinkle of this person. For some people, uh, 
like, yeah, that's not a person of color. My thing's like, oh yeah, that's enough. That's diverse because <laughs> that's enough. That's yeah. yeah. No, no, I know what you mean though. Yeah. There's no, people true, out there that's, that thinks that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, see, we're giving them chances. Like, oh, see, mm-hmm. they're supporting character. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know. <laughs> they're on wanna, the poster. I want to punch mm-hmm. this person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's sad. Like, and that's, and, you know, that speaks more about their own uh, uh, insecurities. I, I feel like an uh similar allegory that I can make with what you just said is like the assumption that America made of we had a black president, therefore we are a post-racial society. We're right. post-racial society. Yeah. Right. yeah. When that <laughs> is like far from the case. Exist. Right. Yeah. yeah. We are simply opening up the possibility of like, actually, yeah, there are, there is more than one race of American in this country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you I, know? I think the complexity of that, and my answer is like, yeah, I don't think one, we're there yet. And two, I think there's nothing wrong with having it on diversity in the computer, uh, you know, on the online content, right. uh, on like film and television. Right. Like, mm-hmm. And I personally think that, like, white kids, there's a good amount of white kids in the Midwest who's just as interested in the stories of people of color mm. as there are in the coastal cities of America. Mm. Uh and I just think it's just these certain groups or like gatekeepers that underestimate these, you know, uh, the white kids of middle America and suburb America, like assume that, that they don't they project see that. their yeah. insecurity or lack of interest to these, the younger generations of Americans and, um, and assume. Agreed. I've done a lot of research on this over the years and a lot of Hollywood, big Hollywood execs believe that putting non-traditional casting, i.e. a non-white person Mm -hmm. on the poster of a huge blockbuster film or making them the lead is a huge financial risk Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the belief is that white audiences cannot relate to non-white characters. So how are they supposed to make a full return on this multi-million dollar film if their main audience can't relate to them, even though the number one growing movie audience, if not the number one uh, movie going audience right now, I believe is Hispanics Mm -hmm. in America. And it has shown again and again and again that on international releases, cast uh, multi-ethnic casts do extremely well and are extremely lucrative across the seas. So if we, we need to start looking at the numbers and I understand why Hollywood execs, they tend to vote, uh, they, they tend to make decisions conservatively when it comes to like you know yeah, and fiscal I mean, impact I, I think yeah they, they're conservative because it's, they're, they they stand to lose money but at yeah. the same time I think they like, some, of, some of them not all yeah. use it to uh, mask their bigotry <laughs> yeah oh and I'll say it he said it <laughs> um, truth bombs and I think huh truth, truth bombs. bombs yeah truth bombs and let's truth just bombs. be honest like because <laughs> if this, it's already proven that there's like movies that have are proven to be like makes money mm-hmm. yet mm-hmm. there's a studio exec out there that's that's then the next film they're like oh no 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 it's not gonna work like yo this just look at the numbers yeah. Yeah. yeah how are you gonna say no right. i mean this is something that's only happened within the past like three to five years or so as right. Earl yeah. brought up you know like we have never seen a large major studio take on like a 
story from people of color mm -hmm. and put it on such a wide scale that like mass amounts of people consume it and actually enjoy it. You know, absolutely, it was never given the chance before. And so mm -hmm. it was never seen in the public eye. But now we have, you know, Black Panther and Crazy Rich Asians are the big examples that come to mind, right. as well as like um, all of the Disney live actions are starting to really, you know, Embrace push that, that forward. I mean, especially yeah. with Star Wars. And to me, it's like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I have a pretty gr good group of diverse friends, uh, you know, that's growing up from the military, you know, and just in the filmmaker community, whatever. And to me, it's like, man, and I tell them, like, when we talk about diversity, too, I'm like, dude, if I was that, if I was a white kid growing up, like, I would be so insulted that, the studios would think that I wouldn't be interested in the story of a black person <laughs> yeah. or an Asian person yeah. or a Hispanic yeah. person growing up in LA in Chicago, whatever, like, or I couldn't, it would blow my mind that there's a, you know, black person doing this or a black James Bond, you know, whatever. Black people do normal things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How dare they? How dare? No. I, I, had a, I had an <laughs> acting coach back in the day who said, Caitlin, if any casting director decides they want to cast you for a job, they're going to have to discuss amongst themselves, hmm, do we want to go with non-traditional casting? Mm. Like He's like, that's what they're going to think about. Yeah. Because I am considered mm. non-traditional casting. It doesn't matter for what. Yeah. And, and yeah, go ahead. Prior to like when I had my agent, I would have to self-submit a lot, you mm -hmm. know? And yeah. every time, you know, on casting sites, when they say like, uh, any ethnicity, right? It's any ethnicity. They no, never, no. they never mean that. They never, they mean, always they never mean, mean that. They always say Caucasian or any, yeah. ethnicity, or any ethnicity or open right. ethnicity. And I always, you know, I always submit to those, but I never get called back. Yeah. For yeah. Any Remember that? I never big, even get an audition. That big hullabaloo with the Hamilton casting, mm. some like human rights lawyer or whatever in New York a few years ago was suing Hamilton, like the musical, mm -hmm. right? because the cast listing was saying that each character needed to be non-white and they were saying right. that's discriminatory. Hmm. But in reality, because it's a performance, they are allowed to they're allowed to make, right. um, mm. you know, descriptions like that. I mean, that. it's gone the other way. And so on top of times. that, it's the other way. It's like, it's For always like that. Even if not, the time is that if not explicitly yeah. said, it's implicit. Mm -hmm. And and I did want to address, as someone who's been on the other side, the casting director's side, right. I will say things like, oh, any ethnicity, looking for any ethnicity. And it's 99.9% .9 white people applying. It's all like mm. 100 people, 200 people, 300 people. It's all yeah. white people. But even when I say must be dark-skinned, must be Pacific Islander, black, biracial, Asian, I still get blonde, blue-eyed chicks right. <laughs> submitting to these roles. Mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. like, we can't win. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of my friends is a casting director of a major theater company, and he tells me that when they cast for shows, because the, the theater primarily casts a lot of people of color for their roles, the right. roles are written for people of color mm -hmm. and he, they get a lot of submissions from white people for roles for people of color, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, man, I don't know. Well, can the, I, oh, the yeah, audacity of whiteness. Or the, the, the fear of ethnic people from right. submitting. Mm -hmm. Right. I I, yeah. I know you submit to all that, like any mm -hmm. ethnicity is yeah. fine, but I, I didn't. Yeah. I was oh, like, I know I, they want a white girl. No, I would. Right. I would. I do this. I just just you do, just submit it anyway. I submit it anyway. I submitted to just 
make an a make a point make, or to make right. an a make a message like they'll see me and they'll go like oh i really didn't actually mean that i right. just yeah. didn't want to sound racist by saying i want to cast a caucasian oh yeah. right right i'm yeah. gonna be like you're gonna look at my headshot <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, like, you're gonna see my face on your monitor i do feel that that problem does exist though there are yeah. like a bunch of asian or just poc actors who see the all ethnicity and they're like mm, i'm not gonna even try yeah, mm. and, uh, and it's because I mean, you know, uh, just historically the pattern has been that you, mm-hmm. um, what they mean is they want somebody Caucasian. Yeah, but nowadays, right. like you, you guys are both submitting actors. Earl, when right. you see that, do you just submit anyway? I've always submitted anyway. Okay, because mm. when I was younger, like right. fifteen years old, yeah. I would see that and I'd be, I'd like, I'd say I've been to those auditions. I'm the only non-white person there, and it's right. utterly humiliating. Like I was so embarrassed that the, I was so certain that everyone was staring at me, like, why is this girl here? Doesn't she know that Nicholas Nickleby is for white people? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So I was like traumatized, and I was like, I'm never yeah, gonna. Aud- but, I, yeah, no. I was like, I'm never gonna audition. For a role ever again, unless it specifies like it's going to be for nah, Asian you girl. Gotta, you yeah. gotta, you gotta be like that blonde girl that applied to her. That <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, right. how come think. she gets to do that? When I was in a princess company back in the day, um, back when Frozen was big, right. my boss was like, "Yeah, everyone's asking for Anna and Elsa right now. Frozen is hot, and unfortunately, you're my only girl who can't play any of those roles." <laughs> but she had her white employees playing Jasmine and Mulan. Well, that's because so because in, what in the Earl? culture in the culture white is still the norm. Yeah, right. white is the norm. default. Yeah, it's default. You can do whatever you want. For you American, can play any yeah. role, mm-hmm. right? And the only reason we are even like uh, creating like there's even a conversation happening around mm-hmm. that is because people have been like talking about it and bringing it up. Yeah. So yeah. I think we should never, ever, ever, it, ever be quiet about anything yeah. like this. Um, so I, I wanted to like shift gears a little bit, you know, because we just agreed on that the fact that we can't say that our, our work in diversity is ever done. But mm-hmm. I think one huge milestone that we could make to say that diversity has really sunk into the culture is when people of color don't have to feel like, oh my God, they're finally making an Asian American superhero. I can finally audition <laughs> yeah. for something. Yeah. Right. We're not yeah. like right. starving for something yeah. that is scarce. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, and I just want to say, like, I mean, Shout out to all the people, whether they're white, black, Asian, Hispanic, you know, a lot of them are the younger generation, you know, like who are coming out to watch Crazy Rich Asian, who came out to watch Black Panther, who came out to watch Miss Marvel, you know, Mm -hmm. like, um, and who refuses to, like, allow, like, some other studios or some casting directors, like, internal bigotry and prejudice uh, like they support the films that actually cast people of color, and I, I'm so, sorry, I'm kind of going back because some films are not casted. You know, going back to what we were talking about, like not casting people of color. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like some of them, the casting directors, are gatekeepers in that sense too. They mm-hmm. they prevent you from, even though they think they're because they have a say too. They can fight for someone, a person of color, to be cast. They could. I mean, it's it's they all systemic, don't. though. You know what I it mean? Is very There's systemic. correct. Starts from the writing, goes but to the show. The fact that now that people are like choosing the audience member, the, a lot of like you know, forties and younger, I feel like, are choosing mm-hmm. not to watch these movies or TV shows. Oh, like boycotting, boycotting, like, don't watch actually boycotting, Ghost like in the show. yeah, or 
uh, the last airbender. Oh, God. You know, like, and just supporting that. And then when it is time, they show it. They yeah, I, I have to add something very, very important, though. I think that the work of diversity and representation is still not done, even if we just showcase people of color on screen in scripts. Yeah. I mean, the, the real, like, legwork comes in decolonizing storytelling itself. Yeah. That's we what I was saying earlier. We have to take stories from people of color. Right. We have to take stories that actually highlight true experiences. That accurately represent our own, you know, yeah. realities. That is not told from a white lens. Exactly. Yeah. There's the white gaze. Mm-hmm. We need the ethnic gaze, guys. Uh, before we move gaze. on, I do... Uh, Rodney, what's up? <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to ask one one more question, uh, and then we can kind of move on. But I was actually reading a little bit more of like what your friend had posted mm-hmm. and posed as a question. And one of the things he was talking about was actually just like the types of roles, mm. too. Right. Right? Yes. And then that... Not not only are these movies happening and the, these roles are happening, but in those roles, it's actually there's positive portrayals, right? Mm-hmm. And he's he's talking about right. like the power of that. So, for instance, mm-hmm. like Black Panther, mm-hmm. right? You're you're now not you, not only are you just seeing a movie that's predominantly African and African American, but you're seeing them in these roles that are like powerful. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So you see always be my maybe where they're not stereotypical Asian Americans. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, a woman entrepreneur. Their Asian well, has nothing just, to do with it. Yeah. They're just Americans. They're just people. Right. So my question to you guys is what what do you guys think about that? And is that that seems to me is the right direction to go. Yeah. And do you guys feel like that's where we should go? I'll, I'll like um, take the essence of what I think you're saying. I think like we'll have made progress if we can use uh, like Asianness or like being a person of color as a quality that champions like heroism in characters rather than is like a defect or flaw. Right. Or like a side piece, like them being Asian or them being like a person of color is what, you know, is what makes them a hero or is what makes them like a protagonist in some way. Oh, oh, by by virtue of being Asian. Yeah. Well, I mean, like not directly so, but (laughs) we're superior. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) No, I mean, I I, I think we made progress when Mm. we don't even bat an eye to a fictional character becoming black or asian like james bond is like my the first thing that comes to mind oh if they like james bond is just a fictional character yeah and a british person can be white black asian hispanic Mm. he's a it's a he just seems to be british it's a title he's a british um yeah well what's his name one of them was scottish but (laughs) (laughs) um but scottish is still british i know oh well ask him that I guess Scottish not is a part of the United Kingdom. Wallace! Yeah. <laughs> if you're part of the not, UK. But it's not British. I think the William Wallace no, 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 will no, no. Uh, fight you not. on that. He's rolling yeah. in his but, <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, like I think. British is a different, they're a completely different culture than the but, Scots. Yeah. Oh. Like, but having, Shit. like, there shouldn't even be a debate, like, of Idris Elba becoming, becoming James, James Bond. Bond. Right. Or, you know, I don't know if. I can't think of an Asian American, British Asian guy. You know, someday it could be him, you know, like. Mm-hmm. It's a title. 
Same thing. Henry Golding. Yeah. yeah, same thing. Conan is a fictional. Well, technically, he's really based on a Mongol, Genghis Khan, but that's a whole there. <laughs> but um, but Conan is a fictional character. Could just be like some roided out. Oh well, Jason Momoa did was Conan, so I guess mm. there's that. <laughs> well, before we move on, I do want to say that um, just to address the other question in in um, well, the other point in the question is that I do think that media is still a very uh, it's 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 a strong it's powerful vehicle yes. for creating culture yes. because not only does it create culture it reflects culture yes. mm-hmm. so um it's a double edged sword and um i mean we could talk about about this for a very very long time sorry yeah, okay okay just one more really quick really we got to move on and like going back to the uh casting directors they do like i said they have an effect and i just want to shout out to like the the expanse Casting directors, like they <laughs> yeah. went out of their way. Well, even the writers cast. for writing that, yeah, writing diverse those characters, mm-hmm. diverse. Yeah. But they went out of their way to find the um, the the Polynesian uh, mar- space marine. Right, right. I, I can't remember her name right now, but like Bobby, yeah. Bobby to find that actress. Like she wasn't even an actress. They found her. Like, and I think that's so amazing of the show, the showrunners, the casting directors that went. They went out of their way because other. Other production companies will be like, oh, no one applied or like, oh, yeah, we tried, but they never really tried. Right. You know, but the expanse. That's why I was like, if you guys can watch that show and support that show, Mm. support it because they're awesome. It's a great show. Right. Yeah. But the diversity, the writing, and just the casting, they go out of their way to, right. to make it happen. But also, tell more stories that are written by people of color. Yes. That yes. too. Put us tell in writing more stories rooms. by mythology that were created by people of color. Yes. So yeah. hire Caitlin Faye <laughs> to write your next film. Yeah. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> On that note. And okay. close. Okay. Um, just want to say peace out. I mean, peace to chat. Uh, what's up, everybody in the chat? Uh, we have a few um, uh, stuff, a uh, few comments in here. Just wanted to s- oh, tell you shit. that we are reading this. So um, I'm trying to comment in uh, text to some of you. So uh, fear not. We are getting to your questions and or comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, so keep them coming. Uh, well, that's uh, all we're going to talk about for that for today. I mean, we're going to move on. Maybe we'll bring it up again at some other point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we should. Um, not necessarily a progress report, but... Um, you know, uh, varying um, varying viewpoints on the subject, um, and that kind of concludes our main topics for today. We are going to move Whoa. into some. Wow. Yeah, I know, we are right? On a roll here. We are on it's a not roll. Not even nine o'clock yet. What? Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're going to talk about some news. Lots of stuff happening in the geek universe. <laughs> um, like, uh, first of all, this is I don't know. This is big news to me, and for I'm sure a lot of other comic book people. Um, Netflix is adapting Neil Gaiman's uh, Sandman. Walter. Yes. So Neil Gaiman, or is it Gaiman for sure? Gaiman? I think it's Gaiman. Gaiman. I said yeah. Gaiman, but I think it's Gaiman. Yeah, Neil Gaiman, uh, who he created Sandman. It was a uh, a comic book uh, back in the 80s, right? Or yes. Yeah, and from DC's Vertigo uh, line. So Netflix and Warner Brothers are close to a deal. I don't think they've actually signed it or like it's final. They're still negotiating. Right. But it's pretty close to being a sure thing. And it's going to be the most expensive TV series that DC Entertainment has ever done. That's, that's kind of a big deal. Um, and so Alan Heinberg, he, he wrote Wonder Woman, is going to be the screenwriter, producer, and showrunner for this, right. for this series. While Neil Gaiman and David Goyer is Gaiman is gonna be and David Goyer is gonna be the executive producers. David Yay. Goyer. So 
What has David Goyer done? Oh, everything a you lot. don't like. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. yeah. So no. Yeah, everything that you don't like. He, he's so like, done. never mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, DC Universe, that's all his. Like he okay, was writer on a lot mind. of those pro- uh, projects. Oh, okay. Um, uh, we shall see. Oh, yeah. because Vertigo is still property of DC, right? right? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, um, yeah, and this this comic has had different runs. It was mm-hmm. in 1989 to 96 and a little bit in 2009 and 13 and 2013 and 15. Uh, the characters Morpheus, a.k.a. Dream. And every time I look at him, he kind of looks like Neil Gaiman, doesn't he? <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, the hair. Yeah. The hair. <laughs> well, that's yeah. him sitting with his sister, uh, Death. Yeah. And I mean that, but the the characters that which is the one on um, you know our left or TV's right, whatever, is uh, the Dream Morpheus. And in the story, he was imprisoned like by occultists in like 1906, and he got released in 1980. 19 yeah, the 1980. So the whole I'm guessing the whole show is gonna be like a 1980 style, That's, mm. which is gonna be cool mm. if they if they go with that route, unless they go with modern day. So. Like the most interesting thing I found about Sandman is that the the font and the format changes with whatever perspective that the characters are taking, right? Mm-hmm. So like if it's in delirium, things are wishy washy, kind of colorful and whatever. And then death is like this snarky, really smart yeah. kind of character. So it, it'll be interesting to see if they actually toy with that medium when they tell the story. You different like, camera perspective, different camera perspectives, color. yeah, styles of filmmaking. What's really amazing though is that during the research too, like the there's been several people that's been trying to get this on in production, like in the pipeline. Like mm-hmm. uh, I think I saw that Roger Avery, HBO, Warner Brothers, like years ago, have been tr- have tried to do it. Joseph Gordon-Levitt has right. tried to do this with New Line Cinema, but it just kind of fizzled out. I mean, there's uh, that happens a lot with I think like really big properties, really big yeah. IPs. There's just so much writing on it. And a lot of times, you know, they don't want to take a unless it's like one of those properties that they're they're just creating the uh, the medium just to keep the rights, like yeah, a lot of the fi- yeah. uh, Fantastic Four stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want their first um, uh, first impressions are everything, right? Yeah. So you know, they want to create something good. I mean, uh, I could see this like just visually, it's going to be expensive and difficult. Right. It's it will be. Netflix and stuff. Netflix is shooting um, with Warner Brothers. Yeah. But yeah, it, it could be cool. I'm waiting. I'm yeah, hoping it turns out well. It's such a like a uh, um a uh, big like uh, milestone in, in comics that I hope they do it well. You guys should audition. Right. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about like it's like Watchmen mm-hmm. um stylistically. You know, right. <laughs> the Crow, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, moving into video games, uh, they also announced that there's going there there is going to be a Final Fantasy. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Christ! They, I know Cripes. Shock you! I, I, I curse like a comic book character. Uh, so uh, they have just announced Final Fantasy uh, live action TV series hey. is in production, or they're going to start producing this. Um, and interesting thing is it's going to be in the world of Final Fantasy fourteen which is the um the MMO one of the second and the latest MMO RPG in the Final Fantasy world. So um I don't know I I I actually don't have any um experience with the Final Fantasy MMOs so I I, I don't know too much about it. I'm assuming it's going to uh take all the familiar and like recognizable elements from the Final Fantasy series, fantasy series and just put it in a different world. But you said um, it's based off of the last one, right? Fourteen. Fourteen, and while well, it's the most um, recent MMO, there's been uh, Final Fantasy fifteen 
which is like more of the traditional like single player experience. Right. But um, I, I mean, like if you look at all the Final Fantasy games, every uh, despite the fact that they they all take place in a different place with a different story, different cast of characters, um, they all have similar elements. You know, the yeah. same kind of like classes are there. The same kind of um, spiky haired protagonists, spiky haired <laughs> protagonists, um, and uh, it's some it was always some kind some kind of like coming of age story. Yeah. Um, and there's always chocobos and materia and. Yeah. In limit game breaks games. in game <laughs> games like Blitzball in Final Fantasy X. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, oh, sorry. sorry you, know, you know what I kind of miss though? I mean, like, I didn't get to play 14 just because I've told myself, like, oh, but are there any strong female characters? It's all that? guys, aren't right. they? Yeah, it's, it's like, like a five huge dudes. guy cast. And like, usually, I mean, like, every Final Fantasy has like a good mix of like female and male heroes, you know? So the fact that this one is getting made is making me going like, oh. Where? Where? On the left. On the left? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there is one, but, you know. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't know what the lore is of the Final Fantasy 14 world, so I, I, mm-hmm. I know Final Fantasy 15, it's, it is like, boys club but um i don't know uh i'm gonna watch it just because i mean i even watched um final mm-hmm. fantasy spirits within back in the day and oh my god with aki i saw it in theaters dream within. <laughs> the ending was sad oh yeah it was totally sad <laughs> um but yeah we'll see how that turns out mm-hmm. um matrix four Question oh, mark? Did you just like point your middle finger up? <laughs> no, I'm oh, I didn't. Next finger. Like four? <laughs> Matrix four? <laughs> Doesn't want what, that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, what's going on with it? Yeah, Jane? so the Independent came out with this article that said that there is hypothetically speaking, some talk going on um, between Warner Brothers and the Wachowskis and like, um, you know, uh, that this new Matrix film might be coming out. Um, It's going to go into production as early as 2020. Um, Apparently, it's going to be written by Zach Penn, who wrote The Incredible Hulk. Which one? uh, I think this is the one that has Ed Norton in it. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And uh, so the Wachowskis (laughs) are... You didn't like the Ang one? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So the Wachowskis are on board for this. Um... I don't know how I feel about their more recent work. <laughs> Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> oh no, I heard it sucked. Yeah. Like it was not yeah. feminist at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really loved Cloud Atlas. So it remains to be seen. They're, they remain like one of my favorite filmmakers still of all time because of their sheer ambition, you know? So right. I hope that they're doing this justice. I don't know. series they did on Netflix also. Sense8? Yeah. Sense8. Oh that God. That did really well. Oh, uh, okay. I could not get into Sense Eight. Oh. I tried. Was that? I really. I heard. Well, so you like the Matrix trilogy then? Well, this is personal for you, Jen, right? <laughs> yeah. Because your first geek crush was Neo. <laughs> was Neo? Is, yeah. Is uh, what's his name? Is, uh, is Keanu, Keanu going to be in this? No, Keanu is not. What? Oh, I don't know. Uh, so the the article frames it very vaguely, but it says Michael B. Jordan will be replacing Keanu Reeves. Killmonger. So it, it's not going to be a new Neo. I don't know. And Neo Neo. That's the thing. I don't think it's going to specify whether or not Michael B. Jordan is playing Neo Uh because we already know Keanu Reeves to be Neo. So I think they're going to like, you know. What if it's Morpheus, but he's younger. Michael B. Jordan is a young Morpheus. Oh, like a prequel? Yeah. I'd be okay with that. I mean, well, here's the thing. Like, (laughs) you know, when we get that um, speech from the architect, 
he says that Neo has gone through several iterations. Yeah. We, we, oh. we just assumed they were all Neo. Because mm. they, like, they get erased, they succeed, he destroys right. it, and then they rebuild it again. Mm. So it's just a cycle. The right. whole thing's a He doesn't facade. have to be all Neo. You know, They could be oh different gosh. versions of the one. Mm-hmm. I right. started re-watching the first Matrix movie with my boy the other day. With your boy? <laughs> with my boy. With your boy? Your boy? With my boy. Like, the is that like day. a metal thing that floats in the ocean? A buoy? <laughs> it sounded like you're saying with your, your buoy. buoy. I was like, with oh your God, buoy? Let's not dwell on is that this. that your toy? Um, but we're going lo- to lose viewers now because you said that. Oh, <laughs> no. You guys are terrible and I hate you all. Um, but anyway, so uh, we started watching this the other day. And you know what? It still holds up. Even with like the 90s flip phones and the giant brick things. Shit. Flip phones like, are coming back. They're back. You yeah. know, like. This phone did. That <laughs> it's just. So so cool. Yeah. Yeah, dude. The the thing is, the original Matrix played with the form of visual storytelling in a way that we hadn't really seen that before. 360 degree fucking camera spin. Right? You know, yeah. and there were also like, you know, the way the agents moved or the way that things were cut or the mm-hmm. way that Bullet they didn't tie. assume. Mm, yeah. 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 They didn't assume that the audience members were stupid. They laid down very heavy shit mm-hmm. for you to dis- like discuss and digest. But they did it in such a such an interesting way. Like the beginning half of The Matrix actually feels kind of like a noir. Yes. You know? It's been said that The Matrix is the most philosophical movie of all time. I don't know if that's true or not, but it certainly goes right. into the whole... Uh, it's Life one of the is most a simulation. Basic, yeah, one of the most basic like philosophical, philosophical 101. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of yeah. Mm. I think that's kind of just a general. I don't want to say trope, but it's a theme in like science fiction, right? Yeah, but like, not nearly that. as cool looking or handsome. Well, I mean, <laughs> right. isn't it why we have a whole population of people or who believes that this whole everything is a simulation? simulation. Um, I will say the world is a simulation, <laughs> but that's for a different night. Uh, speaking of simulations, Houston, okay. you remember the holodecks in Star Trek? Mm-hmm. Man, those were like my favorite episodes. <laughs> the Sherlock one? Yeah. Computer, Arch. Um, uh, I, I bring it up because <laughs> okay. like we're going to talk about Picard next. Okay. The new Picard series. Right. <laughs> so uh, Michael Shabon um, has been announced as uh, the uh, showrunner for the series, it's which Chabon. is... Is it Chabon? Chabon? I'm pretty sure it's Chabon. All right. Chabon. 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 Let's Chabon. Say, like, if anybody in the chat Chabon. knows, for show, sure, let us know. It's Michael Chabon. It's Michael right? Chabon. Yeah. Chabon. We're sorry. We're so sorry, sorry, Mr. Chabon. So fucked up. Yeah. I mean, UCI alumni. What up, Zatat? Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. I, that makes me excited. <laughs> Not the Zot Zot part, but the Michael Shabon part. So who is he and what is so he Michael well, Shabon. <laughs> he's a, um, an author that has um, Pulitzer Prize winning, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Wow. And um, he wrote The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. And I'm currently oh. reading one of his books, uh, The Gentleman of the Road, which is kind of like a historical fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's pretty good so far. It's a fast read. It's just I, I use it as my subway book, so I don't read all of it. But... Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. We still don't kind of know what um, the actual series is going to be about. I mean, from the trailers, the teasers, it looks like it's going to be about his time after Starfleet, like growing in his vineyard and stuff. And I'm willing to watch that, it, it, even if it is like, um, bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Sorry, guys. Even if it is like just Picard retelling all the stories that happened to him during like uh, TNG. While he's drinking wine, his own, you in know, his wine or in his foot vineyard. mashed wine in his vineyard. Ew. <laughs> oh, God. Gross. Mashed by the feet of virgins. Ew. <laughs> you know, 
up. No, it's going to be matched by his employee, the Klingon employees. Right. Ooh. Yum. And th- there has been some inclusive casting on this too, so I'm such as well, for- Star Trek, right? Right, so. I know, right, exactly. They're kind of expect. historically yes. um, very much on the forefront of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, Lieutenant Uhura. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, uh, jumping into another uh, star-based franchise, Star Wars Celebration. <laughs> star what? Star Wars Celebration. Gotcha. Slightly better transition there. (laughs) (laughs) More stars. More stars. More stars. Uh, Riz Ahmed, who uh, played uh, uh, Bodhi Rook from Rogue One, was held and stopped by Homeland Security um, on his way to Star Wars (laughs) Celebration. Uh, Walter? Yes. (laughs) So like Earl said, this guy, uh, Riz Ahmed, uh, you know him from the night of... Star Wars, and but sadly he was stopped, and he recently just explained this. He he kind of was quiet about it. He didn't really tell anyone why he couldn't make um, this last April Star Wars celebration where he was supposed to interact with fans, <laughs> sign their start what Star Wars, <laughs> you their guys. Star Wars celebration. The Star is was, or Star Wars? Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> where uh, he was supposed to <laughs> sign and meet with fans because he has a pretty good following. Um, sure, you know. Yeah. Because, I mean, Rogue One was an awesome film. And so he was quiet about it. But then recently he was at a CAA Amplify event and he started talking about why he, he didn't make that event right. and how he was traumatized by it. Because, you know, he, he said he got stopped by Homeland Security for from boarding a plane and it was not the first time that's ever happened to him. Oh, no. And, and he, he wrote an essay how um, he was interrogated I'm not, I can't remember if it was for this event, but or or another past ones too. Right. But where he's been interrogated, he's he says he's been physically assaulted by airport security. What? Oh God! Um, and when he's gotten in another another time, he got pulled over. He got pulled aside, and like he was there with other uh, other guys whose last name just happens to be Ahmed. Also, right. oh God! And and they he got interrogated there, and so yeah, and. He just recently started talking about it and being be more, I guess, you know, be more candid about this. These random searches, these random stops right. are not random at all. Oh, yeah, no. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, like there's sadly, I mean, uh, we'll say that there are like TSA and Homeland Security guys. A lot of them are doing just doing their job and they're good at it. But there's a few bad apples like, you know, and there's like I remember reading an article where one guy got arrested um, because he was singling out, and it was a male, and he was singling out uh, men with the help of another screener, which was a female, so that he could, they would give false false alarms, right? And so he can search them. Wait, what? He would create false alarms with the, the data his of a partner would P- create false TSA alarms, agent, and then agent, yeah. he would have to so they can then make up a story and like search them. Oh wow! Right. I don't know, man. Fucked up, man. A few bad apples screw things up for everybody. I mean, and like, it makes it hard to trust the system in rot, general. Yeah, so. it rots I the mean, whole batch. I'll, I'll go as far as to say the system is corrupt and the oh, few bad apples is. don't fall far from the tree. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, there's there are reasons why this is happening. And it goes back to a lot of things that I don't need to unpack right now. But, you know, America has a lot to work on. 
Yeah. <laughs> can you and unpack you can quickly? Answer, you can unpack that whole social. Yeah, economic I thing. mean, it goes back to American Islamophobia. Mm-hmm. Let's say well, just thinking that. You know what that's, I mean? Of course. That's and what like, the root of this is, right? That that is the root of this, you know. And it's unfortunate that like so many, um, you know, Americans of Middle Eastern roots have to face this kind of discrimination now. Yeah. Um, Worse, I think, than even post nine eleven. Right. Yeah. It it's that's only gotten right. worse since the mass shootings and all that. Which yeah. Like well, for, I mean. Yeah. No good reason, really, either. Yeah. I mean, although if you take that to be fair, if once it's mass shooting, then they should pull over, a, pull aside well, a certain, 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 certain group white also men. and um, <laughs> search them. Yeah. Right. I know. If we're going by the numbers, yeah. oh. if we're going I mean, by I mean, the numbers. Think about it like that. You know it's Yo. not even about the numbers. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's well, also I mean, not. I'm to be like, fair, it's all—it's just the American public's uh, wish to feel safe or what. I mean, let's be honest. And I think it's people have talked about it, so it's not like anything surprising. Like, like that you know how they only make you carry a three three ounce bottle, whatever. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. Two ounces. Let's just say there's materials out there that where three ounces can do enough damage or whatever. Right. It is. Like, what does that really do? Like, <laughs> all it is is just. But for most people, it's they, a PR they, move. In their minds, it's like the average American like, oh. I feel sort of sick because there's something happening Mm. or being they're doing something false security and like it's it's preying on people's like lack of being informed. We're actually we're actually giving up our liberties to for this false sense of security. You know, and if anything, like if you were actually carrying a water bomb, like and they all throw it in the same trash can. Mm -hmm. Like, I think a comedian like made this joke before of like you're going to throw all the potential bombs in the same same fucking (laughs) trash can next to the people with all the other potential bombs. That's 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 smart. Sound to me. Sounds great. Anyway. Uh, Yeah. No. But yeah, it's sad. And I mean, you know, hopefully it. Yeah, hopefully this happens less to him and, you know, right. the world becomes a better place. But, <laughs> <laughs> and world, world peace. 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 And, 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 on and that note. representative filmmaking and... and oh, okay. Oh, man. He, he just needs to get I'm more just, famous just, where they stop harassing him. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jesus. So uh, we, we read a few weeks ago that, you know, John Cho is being looked at, or like he has been cast as role of Spike in Cowboy Bebop. Um, but uh, recently, uh, what has happened, Caitlin? Well, on Father's Day, uh, <laughs> John Cho the Great was seen posting a selfie of him and his father sporting what appears to be a Spike Spiegel-esque mop of hair. Woo! Though it's not nearly it's as uh, evolved as it needs right, to right. eventually become. You can tell viewers on YouTube by this and Twitch by this picture that he's He's, uh, you know, he's uh, ambling a little more towards that Jufro, that Jufro, because Spiegel's Jewish, right? So, <laughs> yeah, if anything, <laughs> yeah, Spike Spiegel, Spiegel's Jewish, yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, or sorry. maybe half. And Faye Valentine is Singaporean? Faye Valentine, because we were saying earlier that the actress they chose for Faye is Mexican-American, but Faye's supposed to be Singaporean. <laughs> um, but... Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) I ain't complaining. (laughs) You know, whatever logic is consistent with what I want, I'm fine with that. Um, Yeah, that's basically it. John Cho looking like a snack next to his dad, sporting Spike Spiegel-esque hair because uh, I can't remember. I think it's Netflix, actually. They're picking up a 10-episode first season for Cowboy Bebop, which, if those of you don't know was like a, a very big anime in the late 90s. 
Uh, Best theme song of all time. My question for you guys, though, and and it'll be real quick. And and I, because I got to ask this, your opinion, because I've seen this on the chats about about this casting. Right. Uh, Not about his race, but more of his age. Oh, because Spike is supposed to be 27. Right. Yes. But my age. Everybody on that show acts a lot older than 27. Like in any anime, you know, the 14 year old acts like they're 30. Right. Faye's supposed to be 24, but she's like easily 40, you know, in her habits. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll play devil's advocate. And I, you know, I'm a fan. I love John Cho. Yeah. Now the question is like, is he. Did I, and it could be whatever the storyline might be different. It could be like Cowboy Bebop in the future, and then I, they'll have cut to younger. I don't know who knows. Mm-hmm. But there's you think other Asian American like younger actors could have been casted or could should have been considered. Right. I see I mean, what you're saying. I, you I could see that. You know, because um, we. I mean, I I think we've talked about this before. You like relatively relatively unknowns, unknown actors, like, right? Casting big. Um, IPs. I, I'm the same way. Like th- that's what uh, Marvel has always done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think. Do you think John Cho is a household name? Maybe after Star War, uh, Star Trek. They. I think House- people recognize his face. Right. No. I. I know. I think he's big enough. He's. Big I know enough. non-Asian people who were like, no. "Who's John Cho?" Really? Right, right. Oh yes. Yeah. I have to explain who John true. Cho is. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So he's. I don't know if he's quite there yet. Right. Yeah, but he's recognizable enough, I would say. So yeah. I think for like yeah. a wider, I guess, American audiences, this, say, they had to go. We with still this. have to, you know. Yeah. But yeah, and then, yeah. I mean, just the. I guess it depends on how they write it and like the time period, but. You know, if we're going with the peak of um, Cowboy Bebop's character, Spiegel's, mm. it's in his prime, like mid thirty mm. or early 30s or right. late 20s, early 30s, kind of that window. Mm. I think right. knowing John Cho's like vibe, his energy and his acting style, I, I think he'll do he's a good on job. Point. I think he like, plays he's on point. For <laughs> yeah, but he's right. also got the right energy for it. Right. So I'm yeah. not complaining. Does he? I, it's been a while. Forgive me. Like it's. Gunplay and does he do, he does martial arts too, right? Yeah, he does Jeet mm-hmm. Kune Do. Oh, yeah. not Jeet Kune, Kune Do. He does uh, Judo. Oh, what's the one with water? The one that's like water? Tai Chi? No, no, no. It's Jeet Kune Do. Yeah, he does Jeet Kune Do. like water, my friend. He's a Jeet Kune Do guy. He does Jeet Kune Do because he likes but, Bruce Lee. But that's what I'm saying. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, me personally, like, I would have, I guess, I would have considered as much, like I said, as much as I love John Cho, I would have considered, um, what's his name, the guy from Glee. Uh, Harry Shum? Harry Shum. Harry Shum, really? Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a martial artist. He's a dancer, though. He's a dancer, but Dancers. have you seen that? Does John Cho fight? Huh? Sorry. That was that was, <laughs> that was, that was pretty emphatic. I think, I, like, <laughs> like, I think dancers do even, like, can translate martial arts better than, like, I don't know. That's, that's, or they could always get a stunt guy. So right, whatever. right. That's that's a conversation to have later. That's a yeah. <laughs> When Cowboy um, Bebop comes in. Right. <laughs> uh, but what they, uh, well, Let's go on to our next story. Um, so there was this huge hoopla about like the wig and the beardlessness uh, a few months ago, and I'm talking about The Witcher. Oh, uh, I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, so Jen. Yeah. So uh, now, in addition to the wig and the beardlessness, there is now a missing sword. <laughs> Geralt is supposed to have two Wait, swords. I hear. I, it's like I've silver, been reading though. Silver for, for monsters, monsters steel, steel for, for humans. humans. I've been reading though that this is this is going to be based on the book and not the game. Yeah. Ooh, eat your words, Jen. Ooh. Eat your words. The games are based on the book. So unless this is a prequel saying how he became a Witcher. Right. Um, I mean, it yeah. would not make sense. Oh, maybe, your maybe it's before he Caitlin. got the uh, 
what was the one for the monsters? Silver. 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 Maybe oh, yeah, maybe he'll pick it up later. Sword. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying, is that this will only make sense if it is a prequel, because if we need to see him become right. well, the is Witcher. that the outfit in the game? Uh, no, I mean, like, things are going to be different from the game. I think they're trying to do their own thing. There were other images released of, like, Yennefer and, and Triss. Right. I like you know, his jacket. They all look different. <gasps> I like oh, her Yennefer. jacket. It's very Whoa, she's a hottie. Who's she? I have no idea. The she actress. looks like Natalie Emanuel a little bit. Oh my god, she's so pretty. Natalie Emanuel. But yeah, Yennefer mm -hmm. in the in the original is is Geralt's soulmate. <laughs> she's so pretty. <laughs> yeah, and then there's uh, Triss Marigold. Yennefer is a sorceress, so is Triss. But anyway, yeah. There so, oh, that's Siri actually. That's yeah, Siri. That's, that's yeah, that's Siri. Siri. Whoa, this looks like a screenshot from Lord of the Rings. Well, I mean, like she could be an elf. It's, just it's based on actual Polish like mythology. Or something. Yeah. Right. It's based on actual Polish mythology. You know, like all of the monsters in the Witcher universe are based on Slavic folklore, mm -hmm. like the Leshen, which is this huge moose-like creature that like stalks the forest and like terrorizes humans. You know, and a Witcher by trade is somebody who hunts monsters for a living. So mm. we'll She's kind of got a uh, Rebecca De Mornay thing going on. Who's that? 80s act. Yeah. 80s actress. Oh. All you when all I was people alive. are like, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That could have been you, Jen. Come on. A lot of dudes had a crush on her. <laughs> Wait, where's she know, from? Hand the Rocks of Cradle is like the, kind of her breakout thing. You just right? have to, yeah, just IMDb yeah, her later. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's, I think the wig looks better than it did in the initial teaser. It does yeah, look better. I think so. It does look better. He's we were just teasing the teaser. <laughs> <laughs> but... So, I, I, I mean, that doesn't even this. look like Henry Cavill in, in the... That's not Henry Cavill. No, not that. Oh. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> no, he's Rebecca. such a method actor that I, is Henry yeah. Cavill. He changed his facial They're pointing structure. to the picture the of Siri, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm pointing to a picture of Siri. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be cool. Um, I'm looking forward to see what else um, they're going to release before uh, the actual release. And uh, I should play Witcher before that happens. Oh my God, you haven't listened to the Witcher? soundtrack. No, I haven't. I have oh my God, you have to. And the soundtrack is amazing. Steam sale, it is. Steam mm. sale. That's right. Mm. Just start um, with the third one. I mean, just catch up. <laughs> the screw it. It's, yeah. it's like a skip Mass Effect one. No. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's multiplat. Multiplatform. Yeah, Multiplatform. Yeah. So. It's on Steam. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, without further ado, we have come to the part of the show where we play a game. <gasps> what? A game? We play a game. Battle a game? <laughs> so, um, this time around, I'm going with some trivia. Yay! Some trivia. And, uh, Try not to look at the answers. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I'll do this. You can come here. I don't know. And, I um... We are going to, uh, we're going to buzz in like we did before. You just say your name and I'll uh, pick who gets the answer. Um, these questions are all having to do with Asian representation, representation in uh, media, uh, like historically. <laughs> and uh, a little bit of Toy Story stuff. Mm -hmm. So, are y'all ready for yes. Pankikiri Trivia? Yeah. Yay! I wasn't here when you guys last played this. You just say your name, and that's like the equivalent of raising your hand? Is yes, just okay. say your name. Okay, gotcha. All right. Okay. Whoever Jen, I hear first. Jen, Jen, I'm practicing. That's not fair. Jen has one syllable. Uh, it's whoever's Kate. like the Kate. first. Uh, yeah. Kate. I'm going to say Kate. Yeah, that works. Okay. So, ready. Walt. Walt. Question number one. Name two of the actors that play the four daughters in Joy Luck Club. Jen. Jen. Damn. Uh, Ming-Na Wen. Fuck. Ha-ha. <laughs> You said the actors or the characters? The actors. 
Um, um, Bonus points, I guess, if you can name all the uh, the characters. Uh, I, I, I know it. No, 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 no. I know this. Oh, my God. I see her face. I could do three. In I can do three also. Uh, Five seconds. Rosalind Chow. I have the name three? You no, know, you, know, you, got, you got them already. Oh, so, yeah, God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Ming-Na Wen, Tamlin Tamita, Rosalind Tamlin Chow, Tamita. That was the face in my head. Lauren Tom. Uh, okay. So, that is Jen's. One point to Jen. Uh, question number two. Uh, this 2002 feature uh, film was Justin Lin's breakout d- directorial debut. Jen. Kate! Jen. Uh, better luck tomorrow. I- yes. Ah! Okay. <laughs> All right. Jen is like r- running it right now. <laughs> oh my God, Caitlin! Is I said so Kate at the same time. She just I, said her name louder. I, <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's get to judges. Like, if if there's uh, something close, you y'all let me know. Uh, I did hear that uh, Jen first, but uh, moving forward, y'all let me know. Uh, it's like the corner judges in martial arts tournaments. <laughs> so, uh, in uh, John Cho's breakout role in American Pie, what is the phrase his character yells that became part of the American vernacular? Well, Walter. Stifler's mom? What is the phrase he yells? Oh, uh, oh MILF. Yes, MILF. What? MILF. I've never watched this movie. Either. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Which stands for? Mom, I'd like to Forgo. fornicate. <laughs> yes, mom, I'd like to fornicate. <laughs> forget. Okay, this is another kind of mom. I'd like to forget. Mom, I'd like to fuck. Yeah. Uh, in the '90s, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live-action film franchise, uh, Ernie Reyes Jr. has a unique opportunity to work on the first two films, different roles in in each of the films. What were the two roles? Walt. Yes. Uh, either Michelangelo or Raphael. Specifically, the turtle. What are you talking about? Specific? <laughs> what? Which turtle? Uh, Michelangelo or Raphael. Wrong. Damn it. <laughs> Anybody else? I don't know. I've never seen. Walt. Yes. <laughs> no. <I'm thinking laughs> <laughs> okay. I know. I just oh, so the answer is. Um, in the first Ninja Turtles, he plays, uh, he's Donnie's stuntman. And then in the second one, he actually plays Kino, the, the pizza guy. Oh my mm. God. Oh. Kino. I knew that, but I thought you were saying, I totally misunderstood your question. Uh, oh, okay, whatever. sure. <laughs> yeah. I thought you like, he had other opportunities to play, like, yeah. Yeah, uh, he sh- that, if you get it wrong, you should no, be zero. Okay. <laughs> so, You're still so at far, zero anyways. <laughs> you should be negative. negative. Gen two, um, uh, Walter one, and then uh, Caitlin uh, Gusek. One. Uh, okay. Zero. So, next question. Question number five. This 1994 TV series is widely recognized as Margaret Cho's breakout project. Jen. Yes. All American Girl. Correct. Damn it. All American Girl. Yeah. She's, it's Korean. Though. I'm racist. <laughs> yeah, you are. Mom's racist. <laughs> Cho, okay. okay, Margaret Cho. So we're going to move a little bit into Toy Story. Um, question number six. Name all, um, uh, let me see three. Name uh, three of the original main uh, toy characters that were introduced in Toy Story 1. Kate. Walter. Uh, Kate. Kate. Woody. Woody. Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear. And Mr. Potato Head. Nice. All right. So those three, Caitlin <laughs> Okay. Question number seven. Gave that. Of the Toy Story movies, <laughs> which Toy Story movie was almost lost when a staff uh, member almost that ran a command and cleared the file system? Walter. Yes. 
the second one. Whoa. The second one, you are correct. I didn't know about this. That's, that's, that's so sad. So they almost, the story is they almost lost all of Toy Story 2 or a no. good chunk of it. Wait, how? Because one of the, um, I guess somebody was doing backups or was working on it, accidentally ran a command on the mainframe that like basically formatted the hard drive. Oh, <gasps> how did they get it back? God. They got it back because one of the assistant technical, technical directors, Galen Seussman, had been homesick working on it. And she, oh, so had she had a, a copy. Yeah. Oh my god! Wow! Yeah. Thank Can god you imagine? Got sick. Right, right. No. So they did oh in the my god. <laughs> so that so irresponsible. <laughs> god. Jen three. Walter two. Caitlin one. Okay. Uh, question number eight. This 2006 documentary by Jeff Adachi covers the portrayal of Asian men on the silver screen, from Seshu Hayakawa oh. to Cal Pence and John Cho. Oh, I know this. I just can we guess? Um, you can how guess. many words are the title? <laughs> what is that? You can't do that. Can't. Give me the initials of the I know. Oh, I, I, the first word is know give this. me the answer Five slowly. Seconds. <laughs> Five, four, three, two. Oh my gosh, I know this. One. Uh, uh, right. What is it? The documentary is called The Slanted Screen. Whoa. The Slanted Screen. Yeah, I didn't watch this. Than, That's not a word. Toy Story question. I'm, I'm sure, sure, we're moving back. And we moved sure. How many back questions are there? There is one question left. No. Can we make it a bonus? Bo like, this worth three points. She really wants to win. <laughs> I never win these games. It's worth three points, okay? Okay. Even if it was worth three points. I'd have four and I'd win. Right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad we agree. This is all she really cares about. I never win. This okay. is this is kind of a deep cut, but um, this was Buzz Lightyear's original name during the production of Toy Story One. Can we guess? You can absolutely guess. You, there's no penalty Kate. for guessing. Yes. <gasps> Captain Lightning Day. Wow. Walter. Jen. That was very entertaining, oh. but no. <laughs> Uh, Walter. Uh, Space Ranger. No. Jen. Yes. Something to do with Armstrong. No. Fuck. Okay. The uh, answer is Lunar Larry. Ew. Lunar. That's gross. Larry. Can you? That's like a porn star <laughs> it does. name. Leisure Suit Larry. Uh. Yeah. I mean, I mean, y'all old people know what's up with Can that. you create like five more questions right now? Right now? So I can win. <laughs> Come on. I think uh, our time is up. Uh, yeah. I want to win. So Caitlin did lose. Um, the At least you got on the standings. board. Uh, Jen wins with three. Woo. Yeah. Woo. Walter. Glorious. Glorious. Walter has two. And Caitlin has one. No. Clap. Clap. <laughs> so um yeah that brings uh well let's have more I'll, I'll i'll write more questions next time so everybody has a little more of a chance to win um when you but, say everyone you mean caitlin yes we <laughs> well, wait, wait, wait. If, because I said my name at the same time as Jen. If I, if you had given me that one, we'd all be at two. <laughs> but in, but now, right. but you what, didn't what, listen what? to me. What? 
Maybe we'll. We would have all been at two. When, Listen, we, I said at the okay. exact same time okay. as her. In the just replay. Saying, just right. We'll, saying. Right. We'll, we'll take a look at it and see what, <laughs> what, what the replay says. says Why does says. it matter so much? Because <laughs> I want to win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we're all equal. She gets so happy <laughs> when you just two, tell two. her you win. <laughs> Well, uh, that's it for our show tonight. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, please uh, follow, uh, like, subscribe us on YouTube and um, Twitch. Our, our uh, handle on all three, or on everything, basically, is at PanGeekery. Uh, come see us again next Tuesday, 8 p.m., on twitch.tv slash PanGeekery. We are going to be talking about um, Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, which we're all going to check out this week. And yeah, yeah. Are we, Earl? Are we all going to check it out this I, Yeah, week? Fringe is over, so I'm going to uh, actually go watch it. <laughs> actually, no, I have a show on You Sunday. have a show still. <laughs> <laughs> you got to extend it. What are you talking about? I, know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will, yeah, I'll watch it. Um, what else are we talking about next week? There's one more thing. And I come Stranger, from Things. Stranger Things. Oh, Season yeah, three. this yeah. 4th of July. 4th of July. It's coming out 4th of July. So we're going to watch the first three episodes, and we're going to report on what we felt about that. <laughs> so come back next week uh thank you to our lo location sponsors pwc filipino worker center thank you to hi-fi kitchen mm -hmm. for yeah. the food that's hi-fi-kitchen.com and uh see y'all next week Woo! thank you crew yeah. thank you cast thank you thank you, thank you all. good job guys yeah y'all badass thank you. badass follow us like hey it, we subscribe. ended at 9 32 well